Welcome to the Knicks, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore, and we nix it. I'm Fanny Darling. And I'm Justin Hartung. As always, a quick warning, there may be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we will do our best to let you know they're coming. This week, we're talking about pop culture that focuses on horrible people. If the horrible shoe fits, wear it, um, horribly. So, um, rate and review us on iTunes, even if it's horrible. (laughs) Well, we want good stuff. You actually can't review on iTunes anymore. I learned we've been saying this wrong. I tried to look into that the other day, you know, not trying to like add my own review for our own podcast or anything. Right. Um, You'd never do that because that would be horrible. That would be horrible. And you cannot do it on iTunes. You can only do it on Apple's podcast app. Oh, Um, I, that's, that's what I thought. That's what you did. Because yeah. I always, I have the podcast app. That's where I always rate and review from. So yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, or the podcast app of your choice. Ad, iTunes is now gone. I guess there's no yeah. such thing as iTunes anymore. So yeah. Anyways, um, you just don't use the podcast app, like because you use a different podcast app. So I, most people when they talk about like iTunes for podcasts, they're talking about the podcast app. Mm-hmm. So. Apple owns everything. It's okay, people. You can go back and still rate and review us at iTunes or the podcast app, whatever you call it. <laughs> Horribly. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I really hate myself. What'd you do in pop culture this week, Justin? I uh, saw a bunch of stuff. Uh, I watched Vast of Night, which is a movie on, I believe, Amazon Prime. I think it's an Amazon Prime kind of made for Amazon thing. It is a sci-fi thing set in the 50s with um, a guy that runs a radio show and a young woman who's basically um, handles the operator switchboard in the town, like the Lily Tomlin character. Um, This thing starts off so strongly. I think I texted you like 10, 15 minutes in. I got a little excited because it's been on my list. Yeah, it did not. I will say it does not quite stick the landing but i still think it's worth watching this i don't know the director's name and i should i do know it's a first time director um it is very much a ripoff slash love letter of all the things you'd expect with that plot it is a lot of spielberg it is a lot of uh, de palma it is a lot of francis ford coppola he's clearly it is a lot of nope fanny's over it okay <laughs> it's, it's very you know 70s 80s auteur looking um it i liked it, it, it it's really sort of compelling in the setup and that it's got a good tension and you're really wondering where it's going. Um, very low budget, very few special effects. It's so much about characters, which I really appreciate. It just um, doesn't really land anywhere interesting. Um, but I, yeah, I sort of admired it in a lot of ways. Like it's an alien movie with barely any alien stuff. And that's always interesting. Oh, and it's about oh. aliens. Oh, yeah. Fuck. yeah. yeah. Nope. A, nope. 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 In a very, it's like diner with aliens, basically, or American graffiti with aliens. No, um, no, you're not making it better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair you're enough. Just expanding the Fanny's never going to watch this list. Fair enough. All right. Um, I May Destroy You, a show that you talked oh. about, I believe, last week. Did you talk about it? Yes, Two weeks ago? Week. Uh, this is the Michaela Cole show um, that is on HBO. 
you thought it was just odd, right? You saw the first episode and I, I thought can't... it was good. I need three episodes to watch together because I, 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 I get it, it was jumping around a lot. And so yeah. I needed to be able to have enough to get into it. Yeah. And I could tell that I was going to like it, but I needed three. So I'm waiting until this next one drops and then I'm going to watch it. <laughs> I completely understand that reaction. It is, she is so funny. And so the writing is so smart. She plays yep. a writer who's dealing with deadlines, but she just wants to go out and party and kind of, you know, yep. romance. And I understand all of the intentions behind it. Something horrible happens in this. Yep. Uh, we, we, you know, it seems like at this point, I don't think this is a spoiler because this is sort of the premise. No, it's in the show. description. Yeah, that she was probably sexually assaulted. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that's not a fake out because that would be really weird. Oh, no, I, I think she's um, that she is, but she doesn't remember it and has to figure it out. I yeah, it's so the, it's sort of this mystery as she tries to kind of piece together what happened this one night. Um, it's so... I found it really compelling because I just think she's an amazing screen presence and a really sharp writer. Um, it has this weird comic edge that you sort of, it, it, it's yeah. weird because it rubs up against the like serious subject matter in a very kind of weird, uncomfortable way. But I appreciate what, what she's trying to do with that. Um, and I like the cast around her. There's, you know, this sort of poly situation with this uh, black couple that are her friends. And you really don't see that very often. I thought that nope. was really interesting. Um, the second episode it gets dark fast and kind of intense fast. Um, but I'm really curious to see where this goes. I just am super happy to see anything yeah. she works on. Um, I also, uh, more awesome sort of black programming on HBO, Insecure finished its fourth season. Um, I'm really happy that HBO is giving voices to, you know, women of color and just doing some cool stuff. Um, Insecure, I really liked this season for the most part. There was an episode or two in the middle that kind of just lost me and felt a little like bad sex in the city. Um, but it sort of came around. There's an episode towards the end of it that was directed by Natasha Rothwell, uh, who is, uh, plays her friend on the show, who's sort of the crazy, wild friend. Um, she also is in that uh, sketch comedy show, Characters, uh, did one of my favorite clips ever where this woman is on the subway train basically um, threatening, she's like a homeless woman, and she's threatening people on the train with spoilers for Game of Thrones <laughs> to make them give her money. It is really one of my favorite sketch comedy bits ever. Um, and she wrote this really sweet, wonderful episode of Insecure where I was watching it. I was like, God, the writing feels like on another level. It's so, it was just a romance for a half hour, um, which is not my thing at all. And I was just completely captivated by it. And I was like, who wrote it? And it was Natasha Rothwell. And of course it was because she's amazing and she needs her own show. Um, but Insecure, it's uh, still good. I mean, for being in its fourth season, Nick Issa Rae has done a really impressive job of keeping that show on the rails and keeping it interesting. Um, it's also very much about uh, her relationship with Molly, who's her best friend, and their kind of breakup this season was one Aww. of the main topics. Um, but it ends in a sweet way that made me get a little teary. Like, it's, it's you kind of know where it's going, but it's, it's worth it. Um, on a few people's recommendation, I tried to watch some Letter Kenny. Uh, it's on Hulu. This is a uh, Canadian show. Have you watched it? I can't remember. Nope. It's basically this 
you know, very sort of uh, satire, as we'll talk about later, of this small town in Canada. And it's the, the kind of hicks versus the hockey players versus the gothy meth people. But they all sort of get along. They're all like a little smart. Well, yeah, it's Canada. Can. They don't have anybody else to hang out to and they're not capable of be- hang out with and they're not capable of being mean. The joke is sort of funny. Like, I sort of like some Is of that actually the joke? It is a little bit. It's <laughs> like, um, See, I've met some Canadians in my yeah. time. Hi, Marie. Uh, and, <laughs> and the pace of it is what it's like. The dialogue is impressive for how insanely rapid fire it is. People are talking so fast with all this sort of Canadian like colloquialism stuff. I had to turn the subtitles on because I could not even follow half of what they were saying. Um, it's fun. It's very funny writing. The main guy is kind of hot. I think there's a lot of potential, but then it's like by the third episode, they do fart book, which instead of Facebook, they decide they're going to do fart book where you connect by uploading your fart. And I was like, Nope, I don't know. Like just not, I don't know. I, you think I'd like a fart joke, but it needs to be a good fart joke. Um, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to, I don't know. I may get bored and watch this. We'll see. I was very ambivalent about it um, after sort of immediately liking some, some things about it. Uh, something I did not care for, which is a shame is love Victor, the sequel to love Simon. Um, this is on, is this on Hulu? I think um, yeah. I watched, I don't, you know, to be fair, I only watched like 20 minutes of it. It, Love, Simon, while I enjoyed the movie a lot, was very much perfect for a movie. It was just sort of a teen, two hours. No, absolutely. In and out. Like, you didn't have to. Something about Love, Victor, knowing that it's Well, and it condensed its story well. It put all the right moments in. It did everything it needed to do. And then it got out. You can rewatch it. It will make you cry every single place at the same time. Scene with Jennifer Garner will make you sob every damn time. I know. I've watched it many times. Yeah, this, I mean, maybe it gets better, but at least in the first episode, I felt like, oh, this should just be a a couple hours movie. I don't think I want to watch a whole series of this. And I don't know how many episodes there are, but it just wasn't working for me. Um, Yeah, uh, I could kind of see that coming. Uh, For the reasons that you mentioned, I I spoke with Parker and and he said that he could kind of see it coming. And so much like the... um, YouTube videos that he's letting Pip play in the background to get ad revenue for Black Lives Matter oh, causes. Awesome. He's like, I'm going to turn it on, turn off the noise because I want, you know, Albert Alley and shows with queer leads and everything to get the ratings. I want them to get to, I want everybody to realize that this is important and we need more of them. But I don't want to watch it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Which is pretty I mean, much how I watch Black Monday. Turn it, it on, let Cheadle know that I love him, and walk away. <laughs> if I hear that it gets good or something, I will totally right. uh, give it another shot. Totally. Um, totally. What? I mean, I I love Albert Alley. I've loved all of her books. Uh, she's the She wrote the novel, to yeah. clarify for listeners. Um Becky Albertalli. And I've read the novels, uh, all of the Creekside novels. Most of hers take place in the same uh, universe, if not the same characters, um, except for the one that she wrote with Albert, with Adam Silvari, which is probably her best one. Right. <laughs> Silvera, sorry, I did be Albertalli Silvari. Um, <laughs> Silvera. Um, that's probably her best book, I think. Uh, but I lean toward Adam's writing 
right. than because I think Becky Albertalli means well, but I really think she has a super Dawson's Creaky vibe of kids don't talk like this. And yes, there's you know, an element I, of that. There's a little bit of I know that I'm being sort of cheeky and I'm getting all of these pop culture references in a la Stephen King. You can see all the people that she loved growing up in her writing and her writing is solid, but I can see it. You can see the seams. Yeah. I don't, I don't lose myself like I do in a Silvera novel. I totally get that. He can still wrap in, you know, references and talk about Harry Potter and stuff like that, but I can lose myself in him and I can't, I see what Albertal is doing way too much. And maybe it's because I'm that type of writer too. And maybe I need to look at my own writing, but I just see her too much. Well, and I think it's even more apparent on screen when not done especially well. So yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I did also finally dig into At Home with Amy Sedaris, a show I've been wanting to like and not really liking very much every time I tried it. I kept hearing that the second and third season get weirder and more narrative and hilarious, and I'm kind of hooked. It's so like, good. You can right only on. watch one or two at a time. This is on a True TV, which weird i don't know who has true tv except randomly it's on youtube tv so yeah uh, it's on hbo max as well oh is it really cool i didn't know that it is full of amazing guest actors i mean uh julie walters uh you know anna gasteyer justin thoreau looking very foxy as the ghost of a sailor well that's Um, what he does best that's his job And it has a whole, like, I'm, the more I watch it, the more it leans into this Pee Wee's Playhouse kind of feeling. Um, and what a perfect setting for her. I mean, that's just exactly where you want her. Um, yeah, there's some really funny episodes. Um, and it's very strange. She is such a weirdo. She plays many characters on it and is constantly um, acting, you know, against herself in a way that is really impressive. <laughs> These characters are she's talented. So, she's I so saw talented. her randomly on an episode of Watch What Happens Live at Home with Andy Cohen after some Housewives thing that I was watching. And it was her and Leslie Jordan. Yeah. So, yeah, I stayed around for that shit. <laughs> yeah, she is just a firecracker of weirdness. Um, well, and really... so is he. So the two of them, Andy Cohen was just like... Just oh, is he weird too? I didn't know that. That's funny. Leslie Jordan, oh yeah. Okay. He's like, he's dominating the quarantine with his Instagram. He's like super being, he's a super weirdo. Huh, um, I didn't know that. That's interesting. You know what I'm talking about, right? Andy Cohen? No, Leslie Jordan. Oh, oh, oh yes. <laughs> Leslie Jordan, yes. Yes, okay. <laughs> yes, Ken and Dave are obsessed with that. Yes. Too. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, Andy Cohen, yes, is in on the joke, but right. he's not a super weirdo like right. that, no. Um, he's all right. too busy being rich and Yeah, important. raising his cute kid or whatever. Yeah, oh man, it um, is really cute. I am reading uh, a new book. I did read Raven Boys. Um, yeah, I read Raven it's i it's perfectly fine it's it's a not for me thing um i don't think i'll continue the series i mean it was totally fine if that's your jam and your world go for it i also read kim stanley robinson's aurora well i'm halfway through it at this point uh kim stanley robinson is a sci-fi writer that i've been hearing about for ages uh robert Criscow, uh, who i've talked about on this podcast is one of my favorite music critics just did a whole piece on just how great kim stanley robinson is this is decidedly not for fanny um sci-fi it is is there finger trauma and plane crashes no it's just very very 
technical, like nope. techno babble. So it's um, hard sci-fi. It's hard sci-fi, which no. is usually not my thing, but there is sort of an undercurrent also of sort of humanism and philosophy in it that I'm, it's weird. I'm at the so point So it's now, on round in space? Uh, without the gross politics. <laughs> um, it's basically about a young woman who has grown up her entire life on a spaceship that's going to a new planet and everybody is going to repopulate it because the earth is fucked. But this has been like a 12 year mission. Um, her mom is a sort of super scientist who basically solves all the ship's problems. Um, and she basically gets to this planet and it's about her sort of filling her mom's shoes because yeah, stuff happens. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's quite good. I actually really like it. It's not something that I would normally like, and I am surprised. So I'm I'm buying the Kim Stanley Robinson vibe here. Um, quick bit of news AMC on the theater. list of people that didn't need Justin's help. Right. Uh. <laughs> um, AMC is reopening apparently in mid July. Um, at first, they said they were not going to require masks, and the internet blew up because they didn't want to be political. How is a mask? political yeah i mean here's our early nicks right here nixing turning <laughs> turning are... people looking out for each other into a political statement insane mm. um you next uh but i'm very happy at least that they turned that around and have said they will require masks we'll see how they enforce it um so the first i guess two big movies coming up are uh, Tenet and Mulan. The big question of the week, Vinny, are you going to come see these with me? Because I am going to go. I don't know. I know. We'll have to see what happens in a couple weeks. Like if I really keep... got to see what's going to happen in a couple weeks. I really got to know what they're actually doing in the place. Yeah. I, I mean, dude, you know I love going to the movies with you, but I, I don't know. Is I do the... not know. Do you think A-List will just reactivate? They say they will give you warning before they reactivate. We got them uh, an email talking, uh, you probably did too, from them saying, you know, hey, members, we're, we're, we're looking to reopen. We'll, and basically, we'll keep you posted okay. uh, about, you know, when we're going to restart charging you, basically. Yeah, um, and if you want, you have, to, you have to opt back in. You'll get the same deal. They won't raise the price on you or anything, but you have to opt back in which is fine with me um even to go see I, like tenant or something like i just i i just don't know if i'm willing to go to the theater i don't yeah. it's not an amc thing it's a this shit isn't going away and yeah. i don't know that i trust the poor kids at amc to police the masks to clean the way they're supposed to to make sure that people aren't sitting where they're supposed to yeah. i don't i have not seen people actually policing the way they're supposed to be policing. And so I am in no hurry to put myself in super populated in case places with recirculated air. Yeah. Somebody was suggesting on another podcast um, that they would just go to super early or super late shows where they just know they're going to be the only people in the theater. And I do think that's a strategy because the yep. surface stuff is very, it's very hard to catch it from surfaces from everything they're saying. And you can sit there and cross your arms and, you know, I'm not too worried about that part of it. It's just, I don't think I'd be going to like Friday openings. Yeah. Um, all right. And finally I have one song to play. Uh, 
Shamir, who I've talked about a million times on this podcast, the singer who had a crazy roller coaster ride of a huge kind of pop album that everybody loved. It was hipster success, but he sort of revealed, uh, or they revealed that they had sort of, um, you know, basically a really bad experience working in the mainstream uh, sort of pop music system and then release these really lo-fi indie folk records that while they were good felt a little like too kind of self-produced Shamir is back uh, I think it's on a major label I'm not totally sure of the background but uh, with this new album that's coming out that he apparently they recorded um, I think going back and forth with he and they because I think he does that as well um on my own is the song. It is, ah, uh, it is glorious. I am so happy. I'm so excited for this album. It is like a little bit kind of this soulful thing, but it's also like grunge rock. It is a crazy mixture of things. Um, I am so excited that he's sort of coming back sort of strong and very confident. Let's take a listen to Shamir on my own. Okay, that's it for me. That was a lot. Uh, what do you got for pop culture? Um, I'm going to start out with a, a Nicolas Cage movie. Shocking. No one who's listened for a while. I have a group of friends that I watch Nicolas Cage movies with, and usually they are full of bitter disappointment. This one is full of bitter disappointment, really bad CGI, and um, sharks. Oh, it's a shark movie. Sort of, it's a shark movie. Okay. okay, the name of this movie is USS Indianapolis, colon, Men of Courage. Now, I need to let you know that the USS Indianapolis was a real ship. This is based on real events, and Mario Van Peoples directed this film, which should tell you everything you need to know <laughs> about this film, because Mario Van Peoples is a terrible director and thinks he's, thinks he's a super awesome director. He's wrong. I think he this made movie, Jaws the Revenge. He did, where, yes, 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 <laughs> yes, he did, yes, yes. Usually he directs things like Empire and Power and uh, actually a couple episodes of Bloodline, which didn't make any sense, but he did. Hmm. Usually we, in Nashville, we can contain him to your least favorite episodes of a good show and Jaws the Revenge, So, <laughs> which at least also had sharks in it, but it was actually about sharks. This is about an actual Navy cruiser that delivered the atomic bomb to Hiroshima or to the people who were going to drop it on Hiroshima. So because they did this, they had no escort in the waters. When they got torpedoed by the Japanese, they were in the middle of nowhere with no escort. Nobody knew where they were because they were on a top secret mission. Like 938 of them were on the ship like less than less than 200 of them survived because they were out in the middle of nowhere until they got discovered. 
and they were surrounded by sharks. After that happened, the Navy needed to save face, so they court-martialed the captain. That is That story that I just told you in five minutes probably might make an interesting movie, except for the fact that Mario Van Peebles didn't know what movie he was making. <laughs> so first off, he put Nicolas Cage, Tom Sizemore, the guy from the 90210 reboot, and Curie Graham in it. Curie Graham, I don't know if you know who he is. He's the guy that got all the roles that Martin Donovan got after Martin Donovan started getting the roles that, Kate, Kate, that Kevin Spacey vacated. <laughs> You'd know him if you saw him. He's, hey, it's that guy. But these are his stars. Okay? All it's missing is like Val Kilmer. Exactly. <laughs> and then he couldn't decide if it was like the World War II movie where two guys love the same girl. So, of course, one of them dies after knocking up the girl and the other one goes back and marries her because he's the one that really loved her anyway. Or is it a shark movie? Or is it a movie about justice for a guy that got court-martialed when he didn't believe, when he shouldn't have had to because he saved everybody except for Tom Sizemore, even though he let Tom, Tom Sizemore cling on to his severed leg for half the movie before dying with his severed leg in his arm in his arms. And then they pushed him off the boat, but you knew he was going to die because he had a new born son that he'd never met. Oh my God. Does he really hold on to his severed yes. leg? No, I'm not. That's not a lie. That's <laughs> not a lie. No, 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 it's not a lie. Also the CGI is terrible. <laughs> this is. Oh my God. It's so bad. I I wow. can't even recommend watching it for the bad factor. It's that bad. So it's I watched not, that. It's not fun. No, it's not fun. Okay. It's just infuriating. Okay. <laughs> and then you realize it's based on a real story. And you un- and then you realize that Mario Van Peoples thinks he's telling a story to write an injustice of history. And he's <laughs> wrong that he's doing that. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so bad. It is so bad. Anyway, it's. I, I I could go on for hours about how bad USS Indianapolis is. And there are still 75 movies left for us to have to watch. And Nicolas Cage ain't dead. He's only making more movies. So somebody look into that for me, would you? Thanks. <laughs> um, I finished Love Life on HBO Max with Anna Kendrick that you said you were going to go back and watch. And you've watched exactly how many more? Yeah, none. Yeah, how is that? it? Is it worth um, it? Should I? I was waiting for your recommendation. No, you were not. You just never went back to it because you never go back to anything. You're going to see, say you're going to go back and well, watch. it's mostly because I don't have HBO max on anything except my computer. And I don't like watching anything on my computer. They need to get that shit on Roku. Get an Apple app. TV. Yeah. Get on there. So is it worth it? What'd you think? I uh, enjoyed it. It is. It is also full of horrible people. Oh, which okay. is kind of interesting. Cause you know, it's each one is a, a man that she's dating and you know, that you hate. Um, Yes, it had a satisfying conclusion. If Anna Kendrick is not your jam, listeners, this is not going to be your jam because it is full of Andrew, Anna Kendrick, Anna Kendricking around. I am 50-50 on her. I was okay with this. She kind of does one thing, but she yeah. does it very well. Exactly. So it works in this. It's fine. Uh, I It had a satisfying ending. I was okay with it. I also watched um, Selling Sunset on Netflix. What's that? Yeah, this is a like a The Hills type show about oh. the bitchiest uh, high end real estate uh, company in LA. Like they sell forty million dollar houses and and then stab each other in the back and call each other names. It's it's like on fire right now. I watched it. Let's just say that. <laughs> 
Uh, okay. I started reading Stay Gold by Tobley McSmith, which is great a name. Yes, it is a great name. Um, and this is about a trans uh, kid, a trans boy who starts high school in Texas. And his name is Pony Boy because that's the name he chose because he loves the outsiders and Essie Hinton. And it appears to be more of a love story than a coming out and accepting yourself story, like sort of a romantic comedy. I'm only about a quarter of the way into it, but I do like it and I want to support it. I will keep you posted. Nice. That is what more. I did. And right, some crochet. Get into our new topic. Our, yeah, sure. Let's main do topic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So the reason we are not just saying, oh, the world is horrible. Let's talk about horrible people. I watched Schitt's Creek, a show that I have heard from many, many people that I respect and love that it was great. And they were posting uh, gifts of Dan Levy. As, all over the place. The gay character all over the place. I, I sense that people love this show so much that I had to check it out. Um, it is not a bad show. <laughs> There's nothing like bad about this show at all. It just doesn't bring anything new to the table, in my opinion. It feels like Christopher Guest light, which of course it shares a lot of DNA with with uh, right. Dan Levy and. Um, I mean, Dan Levy probably grew up with Christopher exactly. Guest. Exactly. Probably played with Christopher Guest and Jennifer and Jason. Wow, I went a lot of places <laughs> with that. <laughs> Um, Jamie Lee Curtis's children. There we go. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. It um but it really got me thinking about like why am I not responding to this? Because I do like Christopher Guest movies and I like Eugene Levy and I love um why am I blanking on her name, the wife? Um O'Hara. O'Hara. Catherine O'Hara. Amazing. Um but this show, the writing isn't really sharp. It's sort of a satire, but it's kind of toothless. Uh, it's sort of about the redemption of these horrible people. Everybody kept saying uh, on Facebook when I started talking about this, people kept saying, oh, it really, you grow to love these people. And I was sort of like, I don't want to grow to love these people. Like redemption stories about rich, horrible people are maybe like part of the problem. That's <laughs> sort of my weird reaction to the show. Right. But it just got me thinking about like what what makes a good show or piece of pop culture about horrible people and i came up with basically to throw a little hat tip to glenn weldon of uh, npr's pop culture happy hour the taxonomy of horrible people in pop culture uh so i the more i thought about it i thought there are three real breakdowns here there are anti-heroes um which are very popular right now uh but go way back all the way to lady macbeth and shakespeare and shakespeare is actually riddled with anti-heroes uh, holden caulfield um walter white from breaking bad rick from rick and morty veronica sawyer from heathers uh jacks that, teller from sons of anarchy i mean that list goes on and on anti-heroes are very trendy right now that's i feel like that's one uh sort of form of horrible people um they're usually sort of rede like redemption. Well, they're not necessarily redemption stories, but there's something about even though what these people are doing are horrible, you sort of root for them. So, and it's usually one character in a center of also horrible people, and you're sort of trying to figure out who's the most horrible. Um, satires, I think, are kind of my favorite part of this thing. This is sort of where I gravitate to. Um, is everybody from John Waters doing, uh, you know, sort of, 
mocking just taste in general. Um, you have Christopher Guest movies, which are sort of satires of small town horrible people. Although I guess they're not always that horrible. Um, I'd say it's a little different. Uh, Difficult People, the Hulu show with Billy Eichner um, and Julie Klasner that I've watched a little bit of recently, just as thinking about this, and I enjoyed more than I thought I would. Billy Eichner's whole character is sort of a, a funny take on horrible people, I think. Um, Arrested Development is clearly... <laughs> just a classic of horrible rich people that never get better. And in fact, kind of get worse as they go on uh, South park succession, Seinfeld, uh, Kanye West at his best. I, this is a hill that I will die on. I think with a, Kanye West around his era of uh, my beautiful, horrible twisted fantasy or probably butchering the name of that. But that album was just, he was like, I'm a horrible person and sort of satirized his version of it. Uh, and the third sort of category I'm going to call truly horrible. This is a lot of true crime. Uh, it's David Lynch and Blue Velvet. These are the things that are just like looking into the face of evil. There's no way out. People are horrible and do horrible things to each other. That it's sort of existential horrible people. Uh, Yorgos Lanthimos, I mean, although you could argue that he's right on the edge of satire. Uh, Night of the Hunter, which Fanny, you talked about last week. Uh, a lot of Horror thriller, couple weeks like, ago, but yeah, a couple weeks ago, Hitchcock, I think, gets sort of sometimes towards this where you're just like humanity is fucked. Well, psycho, horrible. sure, yeah. Um, and then I'll finish up with Kanye West at its worst, which is recently all the insane stuff he's saying. Where the sound, well, but he's also been kind of coming back and saying, I burned all my hats and I'm not going to vote for him. Oh, he did? Yup. Oh, I didn't hear that. So he's back to yep. satire. <laughs> yeah. Funny. Yeah. He's back Apparently, on his like, after all of the riots, he started, I'll, I'll send you links, but uh, Parker told me about it. <laughs> That's good to hear, because I think, obviously, he has a lot to say and is a smart person, but I think has a lot of mental health issues. Well, um, he married Kim Kardashian. Speaking yeah. of terrible people. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think reality TV is another whole part of this that I don't even know where that fits into. Is it like, I don't know. That's another, yeah, that's another part of the taxonomy. It's just sort of the horrible people that we like to watch on reality TV. Like, right. Um, so it brought up these questions for me, and I would love to hear your thoughts. I'm going to run through them. Uh, pick any you want to talk about. Uh, why do we like watching horrible people when it's satire? Is it because we want to feel superior to those characters? Yeah, it's Schadenfreude. Uh, do we want to let off steam about social injustice? Do we watch any heroes because we're drawn to them because we wish we could be as free as them to be horrible? Like, do we have some fantasies about acting out as horrible people? Um, why are we drawn to true crime? And I know that's one I kind of want to hear your thoughts on. Um, or why do we like to watch horrible people self-implode like Kanye or many people? <laughs> okay, I can, I can kind of answer the, are we, why are we drawn to watching an anti-hero? Do I want to be Walter White? No. Do I want to be able to do heists? I have talked to our friend Amy about this many times. If we weren't so afraid of getting caught, I would be a bank robber in the 1920s in a second. A heist <laughs> fascinates me. And the, probably because you kind of have to be smart and that whole idea of, you know, costumes and, and being a con person is really interesting to me. I I couldn't do it because I would feel super guilty, but watching people actually pull out those off those very intricate heisty type things and, and doing it in a way where they have to make the hard choices and the decisions that you would have to struggle with is very interesting to me. Would I want to be an outlaw biker? Maybe if I could be Tommy Flanagan, if I could be Chibs without having to go through the scarification process that 
poor Tommy Flanagan had to in real life. Maybe I might, but I wouldn't be Walter White. And good padding. You need good padding in case you fall off your bike. Well, you're not. If you're an antihero, you don't care about falling off your bike. You just say, "Are you whole?" And then you you like whack it off your sides, and you get back on the bike, and you put the the call girl that you're saving from the other gang on the back, and you take off. I'd be the a way you do it. Hero, I'm too chicken. <laughs> yeah, you're too chicken. It's not totally the way true. you do it. No. You know that you're not gonna fall. Yeah. Anyway, and true crime. I have been fascinated with true crime since I was a little kid. Uh, I was fascinated with Jonestown. I, uh, Charles Ng for some reason, like I, like in a horrible way, like, like I, I think I got very interested. I read some article in the newspaper. I remember this very clearly. And I probably, my mom, it was a Sunday newspaper and there was some like expose on Charles Ng and his uh, uh, partner who had, they were horrible and they were somewhat local and they killed hundreds of women in a cabin. And, um, and I read it with this kind of awful fascination. And um, I think for me, that was sort of a, I'm reading it because it scares me type of thing. Right. Um, And I can't look away from it. And in some ways that doesn't make it easier to sleep at night, but in some ways it kind of made me feel self like aware of my world around me in some weird way. I don't know. Um, That's, that's for me. Like I gravitate towards the horror side of that. Like that's my version of that because it, in a world that does feel frequently horrible, sort of some art that acknowledges the like place your minds can, your mind can go sort of thinking about horrible stuff going to extreme is sort of like stress relieving in a very strange way for me. Um, But it can also cause stress. Um, Yeah. Right. And yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting. And it's, I feel like, Late, like more and more. I mean, obviously, anti-hero television is so massively oh, popular huge. right now. It's yeah. sort of most shows, and it's it's because I feel like that was a kind of a '60s, early '70s thing. Sure, yeah. And then it disappeared for a while, right? Where in Reagan's America, everybody was supposed to be sort of perfect um, and aspire to be a hero. And it's so interesting to me that it's come back now in a time where we are shaking everything up and. Do, you know, maybe like looting a store. <laughs> it's like our own version of anti-hero, uh, right. real life stuff happening. Um, so it's just, it's interesting. This is an interesting time to think about the villain and the hero and the crossover and right. those things. Um, yeah. So we also thought we would give some recommendations of good pop culture about horrible people. So you want to go first? Yeah, you want to just kind of bounce them off each other, or um, uh, no? Why don't you just run through yours? Blab it all out. All right, blab it all out. Um, books. Um, I have one that works and one that I feel like hasn't worked. I think that um, Suzanne Collins thought that she was going to make a horrible person good, or that you cared about it, or that the story was at least fascinating with uh, Song of Songbirds and Snakes which is the President Snow origin story, and I think she failed miserably. Oh, really? Um, okay, yeah, we didn't get your full review on that. I just did not care. The all I, I cared about some of the other characters. I did not care about this character because I knew what he turned into, and she there was no way that she could make me care about him. And maybe 
as I said, if she'd hid that it was him, maybe we would be able to have that. But it was just, you could not get away from the, the pall that this was President Snow. Um, however, do, does it very, very well is Truman Capote, his book In Cold Blood, which is a true crime novel. It is the first true crime novel uh, about the killing of the Clutter family. There's also a very good documentary about this. Um, I think you can find it on Amazon Prime. Oh, I've never seen but that. Capote. I like watch that. Yeah, I watched it uh, while watch, while taking care of Maisie, actually, because I have a picture of her watching it with me. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Capote really cared about the two men that committed these crimes and and may or may not have been in love with one of them. Right. Um, and so he managed to portray them both honestly. He never said they were good people, but in a way that was so well done that you really saw who they were. It's a fascinating book. And he also went and you really cared about all the victims of the crime as well. So I, In Cold Blood is a stunning, stunning work of just literature and uh, taught me a lot about writing and, and about reading. Really great. Um, satire, nurse, succession, succession, succession. I've talked about succession 850 times. There is nothing in this but terrible people, but it is so well written. And it has Kieran Culkin just firing off his lines and Michael McFadden being just the derpiest of stupid rich people. <laughs> and it is. If you can get there, it is so good and so worth it and so funny and so awful. Um, but easier, more accessible, because at least you do root for them. Uh, I Nurse Jackie. Nurse Jackie's a terrible person. Um, she's a drug addict. She does terrible things to make that happen. She turns her back on lots and lots of people. She's mean to Merritt Weaver, even though she's also nice to Merritt Weaver. She's mean, you know, as an addict does. It is a great portrayal of a true not sociopathic, but certainly manipulative addict because their addiction drives them. And it is so well-written and so well-portrayed. And it's just amazingly acted on um, on everyone's part, but uh, particularly on Nurse Jackie's part. It's I will great. watch I that. I cannot recommend it more. Yeah, I, I yeah, will. yeah. I will. How many episodes <laughs> of Love Life have you watched? Anyway, moving on. Uh, <laughs> I'll believe it. When I see it, I keep wanting to call her Edie Brickell. I cannot think of the last name right now, but she's great. Um, Knives Out also has tons and tons of terrible people doing terrible things to each other. Very funny, very fun. Uh, Lots of people having a lot of fun. Also, last night I watched um, Hotel Armitus. This is Drew Pierce's, he wrote and directed it. I don't know much about him, but uh, he, Jodie Foster must love him because she came out and stars in this and she doesn't do a lot of acting anymore. And she is great. And it is a somewhat, um, there's not a lot of, she had to let herself be seen in this book. She doesn't put on a lot of makeup. She doesn't, you know, there's, she's, she's quite humble in how she appears. And I liked that. Uh, it's about a hotel in the near future in a riot ridden, possibly Los Angeles that criminals are, have safe haven, safe passage. And, uh, and she fixes them up. She's a nurse. She's a disgraced nurse. And, uh, so everybody in it is is awful and trying for each other, uh, trying to kill each other. Uh, Joel, Jeff Goldblum shows up and everybody wants to kill him. And Dave Bautista is 
excellent as the orderly and him and uh, he and Jodie Foster's relationship is incredibly sweet. And there are several not for Justin moments, but it is full of terrible people beating the shit out of each other and still very enjoyable. To I know I'm very drawn to this movie just because of the people in it and I'm scared to watch it, but I, maybe it's can fun to me, watch. Maybe there you are... can tell me the gory stuff. We'll yeah. watch it. Yeah, there's a couple of really not for Justin moments. Okay. Um, you can kind of, when somebody puts their head on a printer, turn away. <laughs> head on a printer? Yeah, it's a okay. 3D printer. Look away. <laughs> right. Look look okay. very far away. Right. <laughs> and We're then shortly after right that, that, somebody else gets stabbed with a some sort of... Um, like an injection and then they go back. They're going to very shortly after that, they're going to pan back to something horrible. Okay. Uh, I hope I did that without too many spoilers. You guys <laughs> totally fine. Um, I feel like drop dead gorgeous is a great show about mostly a great movie about mostly terrible people. And also Good Kirsten example. Dunst. Uh, oh. <laughs> also not working so far, but really, really trying and making a lot of money off of showing terrible people is all of Bravo reality television. <laughs> So true. I can't believe I missed that because I have such a blind spot with reality TV. But yeah, that's the big... I can't say they're doing it well, but they're making a shit ton of money and a lot of people are watching it, including me. Right. What do Uh, you got? I got a short list. I know we're running a little long anyway, so I will just give my three. I did one for each category. Um, Four... An anti-hero, I want to recommend Young Adult, a movie oh, yes. we talked about here uh, with Starling Charlie's Theron. Um, I'm forgetting who the director is. I'm totally blanking. Um, that movie... It's the Juno guy. Yeah. It's the Juno guy. It's, the Juno guy. I can't remember his name right now. What's his face's son? It's Reitman. Yeah. Reitman. Reitman. Yeah. Jason who, Reitman. Who kind of fell off in a lot of ways and didn't do <laughs> yep. a lot of great other stuff. But man, Young Adult is... I really one yep, of my so favorite good. movies of the last decade. I love this movie. Charlie's Theron is so good at playing this sort of, um, you know, curdled sort of version of yep. success and confidence. But she just is like knows that the weird evil that lurks underneath that. But also you kind of root for her. It's like this weird, insane balancing act that she does in that movie. Yeah. I find so compelling and can watch over and over. Um, and I also, I even liked Tully, a movie that I think when we reviewed on this show, same director, right? I think. Is it? No. Yes, um, it is. Yeah. And Tully. Yes, it is. Yep. Coming out of Tully, I felt a little like uh, I got caught up in the plot mechanics. But I think Charlie's Theron's and and his commitment to her as an antihero is super interesting, and I just I'm yes fascinated by her. And she's in Arrested Development, so there you go. She's interested in breaking down horrible people, and I appreciate her for it. Um, Lord of the Flies, classic. Um, oh, totally. I'm going to put this in the horrible, horrible category, horrible, like truly horrible. Uh, it is, I, to me, one of the most frightening pieces of fiction ever written. William Golding, 1954, and obviously the famous movie. Uh, it is just about humanity's true, horrible nature. <laughs> but did you see the article going around about the true story that it was based on? No, I've not heard of it. What is it? I will, I will link, I will link it out. I will tweet it out. I will also send it to you. It was based on a true story of a bunch of boys. I can't remember where now somewhere. I want to say Tonga, but that could be very wrong. And they got shipwrecked and they were gone for, I think near nearly a year before they found him. And they all helped each other. <laughs> 
then they like kind of formed a utopia on the on the um on the island and still know each other to like still knew each other till they died and yep i will send you the link it's awesome (laughs) so so basically you know art plus capitalism ruined their story with a weird terrible (laughs) version of it um but yeah that i don't think any book or movie has been so burned into my brain of like existential horribleness (laughs) um scarier to me than almost any other movie i've ever seen uh the movie's especially good i think um finally a bit of silly satire uh you know just being an 80s kid in california i gotta give a shout out to the dead milkmen i want to play a little bit of bitch and camaro to close this episode do you do you know the song fanny you must no um let's take a little listen to bitch and camaro oh how you getting down to the shore funny you should ask i've got a car now oh wow how'd you get a car oh my folks drove it up here from the bahamas you're kidding. It must be the Bahamas or Islands. Okay, the important thing here is that uh, you asked me what kind of car it is. Uh, uh, what kind of car do you got? I've got a bitchin' Camaro. Okay, so that was our episode. Uh, we delved into all the horribleness um, that is all around us. Um, yeah. Yay! Happy Yay! Saturday. Um, you know, if you want to talk to us uh, about your favorite pop culture that is about horrible people, um, don't call us horrible, please. But you can talk about I mean, you can. horrible. We kind of uh, we are at the Knicks Podcast on Facebook. Uh, you can email us. God, I have not checked that Gmail in a while, but we'd love to hear from you at motionknicks at Gmail. Uh, you can tweet us at the Knicks Podcast on Twitter, and you can reach Fanny at... Uh, at Fanny V. Darling at, uh, on Twitter, and I forgot The Good Place and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, two shows that we started our show on about terrible people. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Actually, especially um, Good Place. Good, good call. Yep. Yeah, I am not on Twitter because it's too horrible. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right, we will see you probably next week. Uh, Maybe with some fresh new content. We'll see. Maybe we'll go. We'll see how we feel. Maybe or something. We'll see how we feel. All right. Bye. Bye.